and to give honor to the word of the Lord as we turn to our Bibles to Luke 8, starting at verse 22, I want us to stand to give honor to the word of the Lord and to our God. Luke 8, starting at verse 22. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. Let's pray together. Thank you, O Father, that you have demonstrated your love, your power, your authority, and even your creative power in your beloved Son, that even Jesus Christ is Lord of creation, Lord and sustainer of all that has been made. And help us, we pray, to embrace him as our Savior. Help us to see Jesus clearly as we study this, your holy word, where we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I think it's doubtful that many of us will ever sail in a small boat and be in a vehement storm, especially living in Louisiana. Maybe if I was in a church off the coast of Mobile, like near Mobile, Alabama, something like that. Maybe some of us have experience in being in a small boat in a storm. But here in Louisiana, we know storms. We know hurricanes, and we might say we know what it's like to be in a vehement, a a very powerful storm. Um, When Hurricane Laura passed over us, many of us were wondering whether our roof would get ripped off our home, or maybe one of these huge, massive pine trees or hardwood trees nearby would come down on on top of our home and that might be the end of us. Um, on the church property, we had a great need for cleanup because we had many massive trees that had been taken down. And one of the properties next door had the tree go straight through the very middle of the building. But thank God no one got killed in that situation. So we do know storms here in Louisiana. Now, to know what body of water they're talking about in this passage. You have to read ahead one verse. Look at verse 26 to see. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. In verse 26. 
Now, you might read in your Bibles here something that some might question to be a discrepancy. Well, Galilee is called the Sea of Galilee. And here, at the beginning of this passage, it says that Jesus said, go over to the other side of the lake. So was it a sea or was it a lake? And is there a disagreement here in the Bible? Well, to get an idea about that, if you, you have to kind of look at some of the history behind uh, and actually some of the geography of the land of Israel. Galilee is actually not a sea. It's called a sea because it looks massive like a sea, but it's really a lake because it's surrounded north, south, east, and west. It's completely surrounded by land. Therefore, it's a great, a very large lake. Um, the Sea of Galilee, according to some estimates, is 13 miles from north to south. It's seven miles east to west in measure. If you compare that to Lake Pontchartrain, uh, down south near Slidale, Covington, New Orleans, that lake is 24 miles north to south and 40 miles east to west. Lake Pontchartrain is much larger than Galilee, but it's still called a lake. So again, um, Sea of Galilee is really a lake, but it's referred to as the Sea of Galilee. As we look at today's text, what God is calling us to do is to put our faith in Jesus Christ, who has revealed himself as the Lord of creation. And we'll see this in two main points. The disciples in danger and Jesus revealed as the Lord of creation. So let's look at this first main point, the disciples in danger, starting in verse 22. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into the boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Now, before we look at the incident of what was going on here. Why did Jesus want to get in the boat and sail across? Um, there's some practical reasons that we'll find out in today's text. Um, Jesus said this. He said, I came to preach and teach not only in one city, but in many other cities. And he was traveling around preaching and teaching in various cities. And to walk around the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee was going to be a much harder venture than just sailing across it. So for practicality, it was better to sail. That's another reason as well. Um, the gospel records record Jesus um, having great crowds gathering around him and pressing around him and coming to hear his teaching and preaching and to be healed by him, to be delivered of evil spirits. Earlier in Matthew 5, 1 and following, it mentions a crowd was pressing around him, and this is when he was at Lake Gennesaret. And the crowd was pressing on him so much that he said, you know what, Simon, let me get in your boat and cast off a little bit, and I'm going to be in your boat, and I'm going to preach from the boat. And he did. He preached from the boat because that was a way to keep the crowds from getting around him. So, also, Jesus 
needed rest. And what a, it's a good place to rest, to be spared from the crowds, to have a rest in the boat. Now, the fact that our Lord Jesus had to get some sleep is evidence that he was both God and man. He had a human nature as our second Adam. Jesus Christ came as the second Adam to represent us wherein the first Adam failed in doing so. And you think about Jesus being on the, on the boat, and when the boat first lets out, the water might have been calm. You have the sound of the water. You have the, the movement of the boat. What a perfect place to sleep if you're tired, right? So then he lays down, and our exhausted Lord Jesus takes a deep sleep. While Jesus was deep in his sleep, verse 23 says that a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. Now that Greek word that is translated here as a fierce gale, um, it could be translated as a whirlwind or a stormy wind or a storm. This wasn't just a single gust of wind, like big gust and it's over. It was a storm that lasted for a while that had sustained winds for some time. And some of those who were with Jesus were professional sailors because they fished for a living. And for them to be afraid of this storm meant that this was not just any storm. This was a life-threatening, terrible storm vehement storm if you have a storm that's causing waves to hit the boat sometimes as the boat is trying to sail it's hitting these waves and these waves are bringing water with every wave that hits the boat it's bringing water into the boat and the boat is filling up now the new american standard here has the word swamped i think this is kind of a relative term but the word here could also be translated filled or fulfilled And that's a little bit better idea because one person's idea of getting your boat swamped is different from another person's. But getting your boat filled with water is a good reason to be of concern because if your boat fills with enough water, your boat is going to sink and then you're going to drown. And that was why they cried out to him, Master, Master, we are perishing. Now, perhaps you felt like that at times. Perhaps you felt like you were perishing. You were going to die. Maybe some of us have dealt with severe health trouble. Some of us have dealt with um, serious car accidents or other accidents. And we don't know if we'll make it through. But the next time you're in a trial or danger of some sort and you're afraid, follow the example of the disciples. Do as they did. And call unto the Lord Jesus, cry out unto him, Master, Master, help us. And he will. He will. So at this time of danger, the disciples called out to the Lord Jesus. And that led Jesus to reveal himself to them. By the way, the word disciple means a a learner. Jesus perhaps sought to teach them something. Even in the midst of him taking a nap, he, t- he sought to teach them who he was and how they could trust in him. 
And we find out Jesus here reveals himself as the Lord of creation. Look at verse 24. After they woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing, it says that he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped and it became calm. I am convinced that when they asked their master for help, Master, Master, help us, we're perishing. I don't think that they were expecting this level of mighty help, even just by the voice of Jesus. Likely, they were going to ask Jesus, Jesus, can you please pick up a bucket and help bail out the water with us? They didn't expect Jesus to speak a word and to calm the storm. But instead, Jesus rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. If you imagine this in your mind, this has to be one of the most memorable, astonishing pictures of God's power through Christ in the New Testament. Now, while they're looking with astonishment, wide eyes and mouths open at Jesus and at the storm around them that just became calm, Jesus asked this question in verse 25, Where is your faith? These men were still coming to know who he was. They truly didn't understand. But I think they were coming to understand, to trust him, and they were coming to understand his divine nature, as mentioned here in today's text. Now, we are told in the Gospels that many wise men sought to see the things which we see, I have seen in the Holy Scriptures concerning Jesus, But we have seen them. Our eyes have seen them. We have a greater understanding of who Jesus is if we believe and have faith in this God's word. We have a greater understanding of who Jesus is than even these men were at that time in the boat. But Jesus still asks us this question ourselves. Those who have been given a greater revelation, where is your faith? We have greater reasons to have faith because we have greater revelation in Christ. When you are in fear of perishing, Christ asks this question, where is your faith? Using the uh, New King James Version, Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, comparing this proverb with today's text, you can rephrase it this way. If you faint in the day of adversity, your faith is small. So your strength is small, your faith is small. Rather than answering the question when Jesus asked them, where is your faith? They looked upon one another and likely whispering, speaking underneath their breath, said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and water and they obey him? They were fearful and amazed and asked this profound question. It is one of the most profound questions in all of Scripture. Who 
is Jesus Christ. Who is this that commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? If you look at all the gospel accounts, each of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all seek to answer this, yet with a different emphasis. Yet here, Luke is seeking to reveal unto us Jesus Christ as the powerful Lord of creation and sustainer of all creation. Answering this question of who Jesus is and believing the answers that the Bible gives us has eternal consequences. This event, I believe, proved to be a great influence upon John, uh, the apostle, who then wrote in his epistle, I mean, in his gospel account, John 1, 1 and following, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing, not one star, not one planet, not one creature, not one plant, not one speck of dust, apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The author of Hebrews also tells us of Jesus Christ being revealed to us as the Lord of creation. Let's look there at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high having become as much better than the angels, he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. Notice that this text says that God spoke long ago to the prophets in many portions and ways. Visions, dreams. But in these last days, he has spoken most clearly and authoritatively through his son, his eternal Beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ didn't merely calm waves and and water and, and storms. He holds the planets in their orbit, as it says that he is the sustainer of all things. He made the world, and then also in verse 3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. 
The Father appointed Jesus as the heir of all things, the one who inherits all honor and glory, and even the angels worship him. Jesus Christ is the absolute Lord of creation. He gave divine revelation. He is creator. He is sustainer. He is the savior, as mentioned here, who offered a purification for sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high because his work was complete and finished. And he is the one who is worshipped as God by the holy angels and should be worshipped by us as well. Worshipping the Lord God, our triune God, our Lord Jesus as creator and sustainer, the Lord of all creation. Brothers and sisters, this is the one that you are to put your faith in. This is the one that you are to believe in and trust as your Savior, as the Lord of creation, and as the only Savior of men. Again, the disciples were in great danger because of the storm. And they were in great danger of drowning. We face similar dangers in our life. But Jesus asked this question, where is our faith in the midst of that? In the midst of their danger, Christ Jesus revealed himself as the Lord of creation. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. Every hair upon our head is numbered and not one hair falls from our head without the will of God. In the midst of a storm, not one branch falls from the tree apart from the will of God. If God in his providential care decides to take us home in the midst of a trial, a storm, a health problem. In his providential care, I want us to have faith and trust in his word that Jesus Christ is our savior, that he has died for our sins, that even if God takes us out of this life, that we could say, To live is Christ, to die is gain. Let us have a steadfast faith like that. Jesus is the Savior that we are to worship. Jesus died for our sins. He rose again from the dead for our sins. He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand to make perfect intercession for his children for our sins We have the complete, perfect work of Jesus Christ and that through him we do not have to fear eternal death and and damnation, but we can trust our God as a heavenly father because if God, our father, did not withhold his only begotten son, he will care for us and give us all things needful for us and for our salvation. Let us pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to remember and receive and believe these things, that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we can be assured that you will care for us in the midst of the storms, the storms of life, the trials and dangers of this life. Help us to rest in him, 
that Jesus has suffered and died for sinners such as us. Help us to live not for ourselves, but to live for you, O God, who gave your only begotten Son for us. Help us in these things and help us to honor and love and glorify you. For we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For a hymn of dedication, let's stand and sing 532, making special attention to the words, Be still, my soul. Let's stand and sing 532.